Hello and welcome back to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian, the football club now just days away from a return to competitive action. Touchwood. I am Laurie Dunsire. Um, looking forward to talking all things Maroon. Joined once again by Mark, but um, maybe the lesser of the two Marks that we had on last time. Sorry, mate. Wow. It's Mark Donaldson. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully you enjoyed that surprise last week. Um, thoroughly enjoyed speaking to Mark and got some good stories as well. I'm going to slam you with a tangent to begin oh, with. Oh, well, wait, 30 seconds. That's, yeah, that's about, yep. that's about the time for you. Yep. Go yep, on, I, I think so. Here, here we go. This is episode 101. Um, when we record episode 200, hopefully we're still going. Uh, I haven't even worked out when that's likely to be if we do one a week. <laughs> but, per, well, I mean, it's less than a couple of years, but still, where, where do you think Hearts are going to be? What division? How, how good in that division? When we record episode 200? Because bearing in mind, when we recorded episode one, Hearts were top of the league, the big league, and then things went wrong. Episode 101 we're yet to start the championship having been demoted so where do you think we're going to be in episode 201 i i think we'll be in the top flight um given that we've covered what maybe this is without doing any sums on it but we've covered the best part of two seasons in 100 episodes so we'll probably be well into next season towards the end of next season maybe by the time we're 200 obviously this is all Covid dependent, so certainly well into next season, I'd hope we're in the top flight. Um, where are we going to be? Let's say top four of the top flight. I'm going to be optimistic. Well, let's aim for group stage of the Champions Europa League. League. <laughs> no, not yet. Well, give that time. That's episode well, three hundred. Apart from anything, if it's only next season, um, we yeah, could we only not be an issue. we could only qualify. Even best case scenario, we could only qualify for Europa League. We'd have to win the cup. Yeah, but but think about it. It's going to be it's going to be about a couple of years because we're doing an episode a week. That's about fifty odd, fifty two episodes and a bit and a year. So episode two hundred and one is is going to be approximately August September. 2022. So, so fingers crossed, we're we preparing need, for a Europa so, League campaign. Let's see, so 199. If we did one every, um, so we'd be looking at. So your workings. Um, no, we need 99. Sorry, I'm going mad. So we what we need 99. So we're looking at uh, yeah, August 2022. Yeah, that's, that's, so, that's what I thought. Yeah, well done. Start of. I mean, I did say it's all COVID-dependent, so I said at the very least would be the late, the latter part of next season, which um, which could be August 2022, you never know. Okay, well, yeah, um, that was a tangent to just throw me off course, nice and early. Um, we, we won't be talking about uh, two years' time yet, because we want to work in the here and now, or at least the short term for the time being. And welcome back to the podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed Mr. Mark DeVries coming on last time. I know we did. It was a it was a, a good surprise. I mean, obviously it wasn't a surprise for us on the day, but uh, one that we tried very hard to get and um, didn't disappoint. Uh, so this week, you know, back to the old grind. It's just myself and Mr. Donaldson. But we will be talking about Hearts game, albeit a friendly match, and 
we're going to be massive hypocrites and after saying, ah, who cares about friendlies, we're not going to talk about them. Because this game was one that we actually got to watch and I got to, to be there. So it's, it's, a, it's a big deal. It does feel like a big deal because it's been half a year without any football for Hearts fans to enjoy or endure. I don't know. Take your pick. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about some of the latest transfer news around Tynecastle and further afield. Uh, and some of the latest happenings around Hearts and look ahead to that big opening competitive game of the season which is in the Betfred Cup next Tuesday evening. Okay, first up, Heart of Midlothian faced Partick Thistle, the M8 Alliance Trophy on the line. On <laughs> It's not going to stick, is it? This is not going to happen. No. On Saturday just past at Tincastle. So, um, Hearts had already played like five preseason games before that, so it wasn't their first full match of the um, preseason calendar, but it was the first match that Hearts fans were going to be able to watch in full live. Um, the first game that I was able to attend uh, physically. So it was, I guess, it was an interesting experience, and I did find myself getting quite excited for a friendly. And I don't. Not only do I not usually cover friendlies for Hearts TV. I don't often bother Listen going to, to them. Belly big balls. Well, I don't know. That's beneath me. I wouldn't do friendlies. I only do big games. <laughs> no, it's just because we don't do coverage of them. I'm not saying that. Oh, I mean, okay. did, did you? Would you go to Hearts friendlies just be, because? I did. I, mean, I went to the mall. Yeah, I, I, I went to Northern Ireland to watch them against Glen. Aye, but you would be oval. I working and, though. No, I was behind the goals. Uh, that's different. That's a trip. But would you go to Tynecastle just for a? Yeah, I went, honestly, I went to the mall. I remember going to see Dinamo Tbilisi. I think in nineteen ninety one. I can understand I just, a trip, but just turn no. Up. I went to all, went to all the games. I remember the testimonials. Craig Levine's first testimonial. Oh, look like at you after after poo pooing friendlies. Eh? You you were poo pooing the whole idea this is, friendlies. This is, this, is, this is a different argument. Just well, well, go away. Well, what I'm saying is, I just you know, going to friendly matches, I can understand if it's a, an away day or a day out, but yeah. anyway, it's sidetracking me. So it, it was it was an interesting experience. It wasn't. It was odd. It was surreal. Um, filling out forms and declarations before before I could, I guess, be put on the list to attend. Getting a temperature check everyone wearing masks even mm. sitting out in their seats which does maybe seem slight overkill but i guess that's... no but you you, you kind of have to i mean no i get that i get thing. that it's, and, and, it's like, the logic I, I, behind people being able to sit yeah, inside restaurants yeah, ex- exactly but, exactly yeah. and let, let this isn't the time nor the place but i think it should be discussed when there is a time and a place of linlithgow rose pennycook athletic a lot of the yeah. junior clubs are saying hold, hold on here we can have supporters come into a game but not going inside because they're not allowed to not inside the ground but when it's outside but they can sit in a an enclosed area inside in our in our social club and yeah. have a drink and sit, crazy. come on that, that's nuts um i get the whole mask thing i had to do reports at the u.s open um wearing a mask there was no one around i was outside but that's what they wanted so if that's the prerequisite by the way there's thousands of people that would swap with you to go and watch the oh, team. Oh no! I mean, pre-season. look. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not having a go here. I'm just saying that it is. It is what it is. Um, and 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 that's the way. It just it just seems some of the some of the rules, some of the laws that they have. And again, it's got to be difficult for 
yeah. politicians, governments, and, and whatever to satisfy everyone, because that's not going to be possible. So if it means wearing a mask, then... Uh, just oh, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, it's fine. It wasn't that much a bother. I just, it struck me more from accord on, on what you just said, the fact that you know we're sitting outside in a big open stadium. And to be fair, because of the way the press area is and the commentary area, you know, we weren't all able to be two metres apart at all times. So masks are important from that point of view because you're not mm-hmm. able to distance. I get that. But it just seemed odd that you know we're outside in a big open stadium with very few of us there you know you could you could have i guess made people sit further apart without a mask but like you say you can have people indoors eating or indoors drinking and i'm not saying that that shouldn't be allowed but yeah there doesn't seem to be they don't seem to add up correctly and and it's it's good you pointed that out because i was going to mention at some point the posts from the from the likes of penny cook and, and linlithgow pointing this out that you know they don't have you know we talk about Scottish Premiership and Championship teams not having the same TV money as the likes of England or or Spain or Italy or whatever it might be, but the clubs that are non-league or lower league, you know, they've got no money. They've got no money from anything. They're, they're, they're the only real revenue stream will be fans being at the game, paying to get in or buying a, a coffee and a pie or a, or whatever it might be. So they can't really justify playing at all. Um, and I guess and if, it, on you go. No, and I was going to say, and if we're talking these divisions where, you know, Hearts have obviously got a lot of, a lot at stake, you know, taking a loss for this season to make sure they get back to the Premiership is probably worth it from a Hearts perspective. But for, you know, a junior club, you know, if part of what they're playing is for, everyone wants to win, but part of what they're playing is for the community side of it. These guys are, you know, have full-time jobs as well. Is there any point in getting dragging all these people in to lose money every week? Mm. Probably not. Yeah. What's the what's the end game for them there? The, the whole point yeah. is to do it for the fans and for the community. Mm-hmm. The other thing I wanted to mention, and I don't know how, of how much interest this would be to to the listeners, but from a commentator's perspective, I found it very interesting when I first did Serie A behind closed doors, and they didn't have piped in additional fake sounds. It's very weird doing mm-hmm. a game. Um, when there's there's no noise whatsoever, and you could hear every pass of every ball, you could hear every shout. And from a commentator's perspective, we try, or I'm, I can only speak for myself, I, I try and maintain what I normally do as a commentator, yeah. um, and to, to speak when I think it's pertinent to do so. But there is that element when you're doing commentary of wanting to speak more because you're frightened a little bit of, of no sound. You see where I'm coming from? No, I certainly do. Um, and I guess you did feel that pressure. I think it, it would certainly have been worse for me if it had been maybe a, like what I have in a lot of the way games where it is literally just me um, to fill that air. Where, whereas if you tuned in, obviously I had Jimmy with me, so we tried to make it fairly light and, and, yeah, ha- and, and have a bit of fun. And um, I'll credit to you for, for that because for me it was just a normal game. And yeah. In the first five minutes or so, you're aware of the, the fact that I'm talking now as a listener to your commentary at the weekend. Um, the first five minutes, it's a bit weird, and, and it, it, you soon get into it. And and I and I thought, um, not just because I do the podcast with you, um, but I thought you and, and Jimmy did a, a did a good job to to keep. It's it's hard to find a balance because if yeah. it's a preseason friendly, there's substitutions that happen a lot in the second half. There's not much going on, but it was it was just good to to get back to watching the football and I 
tell you what, I saw I saw a very hungry Jamie Walker again. I know we'll yeah. get into that little detail. Yeah. Definitely, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's perfect segue to get into that. Um, because, yeah, first half, uh, you know, I thought Hearts started really brightly. I mean, in terms of the team, um, pretty strong team. Uh, Craig Gordon in goals, Jamie Brandon at right back. Uh, Left-back Ben Garuccio, who also played a handful of games last season. Uh, Craig Halkett in the middle, winning the captain's armband alongside Michael Smith. Irving and Lee in this sort of deeper role in the 4-2-3-1 with Ginelli and Freer. Either side of Walker playing the number 10 role and Craig Whiten up front as the number 9. Um, worked really well and I, I, I like that. It's a system I like. It's obviously the popular system in recent years in football, the 4-2-3-1. But I think it suits a lot of players and... I think it seems to suit with the, the new signings even more so and seems to suit the way that Robbie Nielsen wants to play. So it was a really good tempo the first half. Lots of width, which I mentioned countless times in commentary because it's something that we've been starved of for what feels like years. Um, lots of width uh, with Ginelli and Freer um, and obviously lots of nice movement. And I thought what that also did was free up Walker, which I think is why he actually played so well because you know I think he's better now in the middle as that number 10 rather than playing it wide and being isolated just being able to find those pockets of space especially when the wide men drag fullbacks out and maybe drag midfielders out to the to the wide areas so he, he was terrific that first half and you know for a friendly match I, I thought it was a really good tempo in the first period it was it was really quite competitive and uh, if anything I thought maybe Park Thistle apart from the first 10 minutes I thought they looked very sluggish but Credit to them, because they've only played BSC Glasgow. That's the only game they've played, so they're well behind hearts in terms of match fitness. But, you know, I thought in terms of, not in an attacking threat, but being competitive in the game, I thought they showed up pretty well. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't so much about the performances. It was just about match match sharpness. Yeah. Anyone that produced a performance, like Jamie Walker, who I thought, especially in the first half, really looked hungry. He's an interesting one for me because he lost his way a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can totally understand. We'd all do the same. If you know you're going to get substantially more money to go down south, your first question isn't, am I going to play? It's, it's going to, well, how much am I getting paid? Oh, you're going to get paid this much. Wow, that's a lot more than I was getting. Everyone does that, right? You, this is a, a time now in, in all of our lives whereby um, there's so much uncertainty. So if if something like that comes about as an opportunity, um, there will be some that, for whatever reason, don't want to up sticks and, and chase the money. Fine, no problem with that. But it's I totally understandable. When he went down to Wigan and he's, he's, ha- he's had other kind of experiences, but he's back now and maybe the penny's dropped. You, you get older, you should get a little bit wiser with experience. And I always... I was delighted when he came back. I really was because I, I enjoyed watching um, Jamie Walker. And even when he was like a, a young um, 15, 16, 17 year old coming through the ranks, he was the guy that you, we were told was going to was going to be the next kind of big thing. And it, for him to, to break through and and do well. And then, then we lost him, understandably so. And he's back now. And you kind of worried towards the, not so much the end of last season, but since he's come back, there's been glimpses, but that's been about it. And it's it's application. That that's what it is. The ability's the ability's still there, but it's application. It's it's how difficult it, it is for Jamie or for any of us to put aside all the the noise and just focus and on concentrate and enjoy 
what what you're paid to to do. You're paid to play football, and and when he when he puts his mind to it, I think we've we it's a small it's a small sample size. I get that against Partick, but that a friendly like that is an opportunity for all of us watching to take anything and to accentuate it and say this is it. This is brilliant. We're gonna we're gonna do this as a result. Yeah, you you've beaten a Partick side as you mentioned that have played one game, but it was encouraging. Definitely. It certainly was. Walker obviously got the the opening goal of the game. We'll, we'll just have a quick listen back, actually. I'll, I'll, I'll play it. Why not? We've not had many highlights to play. Let me, let's me let play the goals from the game at the weekend. Pick up hearts on the right. Brandon Finish. Fox. Walker arrives. Goal. Simple as that. Ball down the right. Jamie Brandon with a low cutback, and it's maybe seven or eight yards out. Jamie Walker strokes the ball home. And that's a, a simple goal for Hearts. Well finished by Jamie Walker. Now here's Barrigan. On the left, it's Connor Murray. Oh, it's won by well by Halkett for Hearts. Now driving forward. Gets away from Doherty. Has Naismith head and looks for him now. Naismith in the box. Round the goalkeeper. Tight angle. Can he keep it alive? Finish. Cut back. Halkett well finishes. Super play between Craig Halkett. And Stephen Naismith, it was Halkett who won it. He drove forward with purpose. He slipped it into Naismith. He went around Snedden, but took himself a little bit too wide, but did the right thing and cut it back to Halkett, who was following up, and from no more than three or four yards, smashes it into the net and doubles Hart's lead. 62 minutes played. Hart to Midlothian, two. Partick Thistle, nil. That man, Craig Halkett. Does love a goal from defence, Absolutely. And it was nice to see him finish that off because he was the one that intercepted in the halfway yep. line. He drove forward. So, yeah, Walker stroked home the opener after good work on the right from Hearts. Um, second half, a little bit more disjointed, but Craig Halkett did very well to win the ball, drive forward and get on the end of a cutback from Stephen Naismith to make it 2-0. At that point... It really did start to feel like a friendly. Lots of substitutions, especially from Park Thistle, um, took all the rhythm out of the game. But I think you got to feel it was a decent run out overall. Uh, you know, we've seen some of the new boys get a game. Uh, Peter Haring got another appearance. I think he came on. Uh, I think he appeared against Falkirk briefly, didn't he? How how did he look? Because it's a friendly, right? And and I'm watching it, and I'm, I'm paying I'm paying attention to to some of it. There's other games that are going on. How did Peter Haring look from someone that commentated on the full game? I mean, he played a wonderful pass just after coming on. A big 60-yard-plus cross-field ball, pinpoint. Um, it didn't look like he's overexerting himself too much yet. I think you, you kind of see that with his running. I think he's... I don't know if he's if he's holding back or he's just taking it kind of quite easy. Understandable to avoid. if he does. Though. Understandable, yeah. So he kind of strolled through it, really. Um, some, some decent touches... A wonderful pass when the opportunity came up, but fairly low key. And obviously, when he was on, he was in the period of the game where very little happened. So I think he's still. I think Robbie's explained this already. He's he's a little bit away from being completely ready for being thrown in as a starter in a competitive game. But he's getting yeah, there. He, he's not going to play in the semi final, is he? From the start, you is wouldn't imagine. Enough so. time? Um, no, I didn't think so. Hard. I mean, you never know what might happen in that time. But certainly, it looks like he's he's taking it slow, which is fine. Which is absolutely fine. You've got Andy Howardy now, anyway. Indeed. Yeah. So, I guess you're providing all the the pointers. So, um, anything else you want to add to the Park Thistle game? Yeah, I just wanted to ask you. When everyone's fit and Robbie's got his 
his um I'm not obviously if Haring's fit, but I just want to talk about the attack. Mm-hmm. When everyone's available, um, and Robbie said he'll tweak formation depending on, on games. Sometimes it'll be three at the back, sometimes it'll be four four two, sometimes it'll be four two three one. Uh, where does Whiten play um, if if he's going to be the number nine? Where does Boyce play? And I assume Naismith will be that little bit deeper. What what do you reckon? <laughs> I mean, my my instinct would still be that Boyce will be our our main man up front if he's fit, um, given given I suppose his pedigree. I know he I don't think he scored in his eight his eight games that he played out of the ten after scoring his first two for Hearts. Um, that was a very long winded way for saying that he hasn't scored in eight games. Um, but you know I think he's a proven striker in the top flight in Scotland. He's done it regularly in League One in England. Um, I don't want to judge too many players who came into that team last season. Um, you know, in the second half of it, given the state we were in, so I think at that level, Liam Boyce, given what he's done in the past, should be banging in a lot of goals. You know, he should be targeting even in a twenty-seven game season, he should be targeting fifteen, twenty goals. So yeah. I think he's going to be our main man. Um, but I guess Whiten is clearly in the thoughts of Robbie Nielsen. Um, he's clearly bulked up. Gary Locke mentioned that at half time when we were chatting to him at the weekend. You know, he's he's really been obviously working on his um his physical side of the of things and he's been on the weights and he's he's built up his upper body strength. Um you know there's still a lot of st- there's still a lot that Whiten needs to prove though, because let's be honest, he's not been a good hearts player so far. Um and you know that's the same for many, I suppose, who have played in recent seasons. But he's not; he's not impressed yet. So um, he's got a point to prove. I would suggest that Boyce will be the main man, and Whiten might be used at times as a different option, or maybe to put two up if we're chasing and need goals. Hopefully, we're not chasing too many games. Um, I'd imagine the system we saw would be what Robbie's going to lean towards most of the time. Um, yeah, the four-two-three-one, and I mean, even looking at the team. You'd probably want maybe Smith at right back and a, a different centre back alongside Halkett. Popescu would, you know, be the obvious one. Um, but apart from that, and maybe Boyce for for White, and you're not going to look at too many differences, you know, because you can have Naismith and Walker swap them around. You know, this, you wouldn't imagine Naismith will be able to play every game, given his his obviously recent history. Roberts maybe in for Ginelli or for Freer again you'll probably swap those around depending on form and such like and maybe Haring when he's ready in for Irving or in for Lee depending on form again but I think you largely see that sort of system and those players around it and I think I'm, I'm perfectly happy with that I mean you look at that team and you know, we've been here before looking at the start of seasons and saying yeah we should have a good campaign and next thing you know we're bottom of the table but on paper you know what we've put together I'd say you wouldn't you wouldn't look at that as a Premiership team and think they shouldn't at least be looking up to the top half of the table on paper. I, I would yeah, suggest. Ultimately, Hearts. If, if Hearts don't win this league by a street, then it's disappointing. We'll, we'll oh, still definitely. celebrate. Yeah. We'll still celebrate pr- promotion. Um, last year was a total underachieving season. Um, I, I, I'd like to think they've learned a lesson and. I, it's it's difficult here because there's a, there's a fine line between confidence and arrogance, and the, the, I, I don't want to adopt the 
Celtic of, of kind of the last few years, Rangers before that, attitudes of their fans just basically show up and, and how many is it going to be today? But the quality of player that Hearts have put together compared to other teams in that division, there are no excuses. And Robbie no, knows no. that. Rob, Rob, Robbie's not daft. And Hearts will win the league. And, and like, Do they have to win it by X amount of points? No, they just have to win it with a bit of style. And and there's going to be games that they'll, they, they might drop points and away from home. There might be a couple of times where teams come to Tynecastle and get a point um, or maybe even sneak all three because they sit in and they have far less of the ball and, and end up end up winning. It's, I mean, it's 27 games. Um, here, here you go. Mark this one down. So this this is the this is the prediction um, now, and let's see how close we get. Come the end, okay. of, how close I get. Okay. So of twenty seven league games, mm-hmm. I would hope Hearts would win nineteen of those, draw five of those, and lose three. Okay, so that would give us 62 points. And that would win us the league. Um, And it would probably win us the league by nearly double digits. So 19-5-3 and is what I'm going for. Okay. Um, And I I, I would... That would be on the lower side. That um, that's that's a conservative. I was going to say um, I'd probably I'd, I'd probably hope for most people would most people would hope for more. And if I said to you the over or under on sixty two points, most people would probably say the over. I'm being very conservative there. I think that would be the minimum that that we should expect, um, given who we're up against. Uh, and I still think that's going to be more than enough to win the league by a canter. What, what would you say? I'm going to be more optimistic, and I'm going to say... I'm going to be very optimistic. I'm going to say we're going to win 24. 24 games. Um, and I'm going to say we'll win every game at Tynecastle. I think our possible games to be, to come unstuck. I'm thinking Air away, Inverness away, and Morton or Dunfermline away. Um, I'm thinking there will be the games. I'm not counting Dundee because we're going to pump them twice. Um, three times, sorry. <laughs> three times. We play them three times. We're going to pump them all three times. So 24-2-1 or 24-3, and three, as in three draws. So either undefeated with three draws or one defeat, two draws, and, and the rest wins. Well, that's, that's a walk in the park then. That's double-digit difference to the, to the next team. Um, yeah, definitely. I, that's what we want. You know what I think? Yeah. I, yeah, it's what we want. I, I think the, the actuality of this, the truth of, of what's going to happen, will be somewhere in the middle. I think I've, I've gone for the lower end of the conservative kind of, ooh, okay, just in case you've gone for the, well, we should be doing this. I think the truth is, is somewhere in the middle. It's a, it's a low 20s win. It's a, it's a three or four draws and a, a two or three defeats. Um, and I think that would be it's, this season is about enjoying ourselves. This season is about putting smiles on faces of supporters. This season is about getting up. That's it. It's about getting it up. <laughs> Ultimately, it's, it's about getting up. It's about hoping to get fans back in, in attendance. But, but for those who are watching, it's, it, it's about seeing wins again. Um, and you know what it was like in the championship. You commentated that season. Hearts fans know what it was like. It was one of the better seasons that, that we've had, just from an enjoyment perspective, because Saturday nights were good. We'd won. Or Sundays. This year, there's going to be a hell of a lot of Friday nights. 
Yeah. Um, and if I'm the, if I'm in charge of BBC Scotland, I'm doing exactly the same. I'd make I'd make that the the, the Hearts Channel. Pretty yeah. Much. It's going to be. Um, I mean, that's. I mean, that's what we're expecting. First, first two, aren't they? I think are. Yeah. Are, so are certainly the Dundee and our broth. But how does that affect things with regards to to season tickets and and counting one of those games as as a, as a, a one of those tickets in your season book? Not getting into that. That's that's not my area. Oh. Okay. Not my area, but okay. But in terms more than of my job's worth, pal, more than my job's worth. <laughs> but um, Friday, yeah. So start with two Friday night games, home at Dundee, away at Arbroath. Um, the BBC deal is two game. It can't be more than two games at the same ground. So we'll only get one more Tynecastle live BBC game. Oh, okay. Um, I, didn't, I didn't know that. So, so they could basically have every. Hearts away game. We're expecting, to, to be honest, this is not guaranteed, but we're expecting lots of away Friday nights that will be live okay. on the BBC because they'll want to maximise Hearts being of around course. there. Um, and like you said, it'll be the, the the Celtic and Rangers equivalent in the Championship where you obviously yeah. get the, those two live on TV um, away from home in the Premiership. And, you know, yeah. like like our lump, that's that's the way Hearts are the big draw in, th- in this division. And big Celtic in a small pond, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that, so we'll see a few. Um, but, I, I mean, it was impressive. Hearts TV numbers, uh, you know, 7,500 for the Park Thistle friendly. I, I suppose we should get used to it because it's, it's the only way Hearts fans can can tune into the game. So um, <laughs> you're, you're stuck with me and Jimmy Sanderson for the season. Okay, just don't be shit. Okay, that's a good time to move on. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs> okay, so, um, some other news. You mentioned Andy Halliday, and I was going to go straight into it, and then we dilly-dallied for a bit, as we tend to do. Um, Andy Halliday, so this was one of these transfers that sometimes happens, where everyone's suggesting it should happen, and you get all the... Um, what appeared to be fake news updates. Um, and then it actually transpires that he will sign for Hearts. A 28-year-old, very versatile, I'm not even just going to call him a midfielder, just call him a player, signed a two-year deal after leaving Rangers. Um, started his career with Livingston, a quick rundown back in 2008. 50 appearances uh, with Levy, scored 17 goals, won the old third division uh, moved to Middlesbrough in the Championship, had 42 appearances for them, a few loan spells, including Bradford, where he would then move permanently. And then five years ago, he joined Rangers, his boyhood heroes, won the Championship and the Challenge Cup with them, 152 appearances, 18 goals, a brief spell on loan in Azerbaijan, of all places, and... Um, has, even before this deal was sealed, talked about Tynecastle being his favourite stadium to play in, which is which is always good to hear. Um, and he's, uh, you know, he's a tenacious player, offers a lot of energy, drive, decent experience, and not only that, he can cover centre midfield, he can cover left back, an area where we might need some cover at some point. I have to say, I think this is a really good signing, because if we were still in the Premiership, I wouldn't be too disappointed with that signing. Totally agree with you. And if we had him last season, I don't think we would have gone down. Because I think we were too soft last season. I think we were looking for excuses. We were looking for others to blame. Andy Halliday's not that type of player. We've spoken a lot on this podcast about wanting players to play for Hearts, pull on a maroon jersey and not hide when things are, aren't are going well. 
Andy Halliday is that type of player. I yeah. remember when he played at left back for Rangers. He didn't want to play there. He made a mistake. But you know what? He wanted the ball after that. And uh, he bounced back. That's, that's the type of player I think we were missing last season. I'm really looking forward to seeing him in a Hearts jersey. Indeed. And are, are you ha- I th- I wanted to see him at centre midfield. And I'm pleased when I heard Robbie speaking, he says that's where he sees Andy Halliday as in his main position, obviously. We know he's versatile, he can cover. He's a defensive midfielder. He's the conductor of the orchestra. He wants it he wants to pick it up deep and he wants to have the whole field in front of him and, and he wants he's a smart player. He wants to be able to shell passes left, right, centre, make decisions. He's the guy that's gonna want the ball. Yeah. And and he'll want and he'll, Haring, he'll want to win it back as well. That's the thing. And with with Peter Haring I think I think it gives us an opportunity just to ease Peter Haring back into action and, and maybe have those two as the pivot yeah. if we d- decide to go with a, a four two three one. But he he's the he's the playmaker and you can be a playma- playmaker from a deep lying role. I just I really like this this signing because he's had one or two other options. He's, he's decided I, I don't particularly know when when Robbie made contact. With him, um, I think he, he said. I think he mentioned three weeks ago they'd spoken. Okay. Yeah. How That's informal fine. or formal that was, I, I can't remember. But yeah. He did mention that it's it was three weeks. Yeah. I think th- this is a very hard signing, uh, and and by what I, by that I mean that we know we're not the pinnacle, or we shouldn't be the pinnacle of someone's career. We should be a stepping stone. For, for someone. Now, for some, we ultimately will end up being the pinnacle part of Midlothian Football Club for, for certain players, which is fine. But when a player joins a football club like Hearts, the first thing he should be doing is wanting to be and to show enough ability over a period of time that other bigger clubs show an interest. And Andy Halliday, it, it, it's basically, I'm not saying that Hearts is a football club where players who have talent but are broken or are, have had issues or whatever, but we're like the footballing equivalent at times of a rehab session. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> because, do you know what? It works for some and it doesn't work for others. Eddie White, I, I don't think it's going to work. But we gave him an opportunity. And I think where we're playing as well, Laurie, in the championship is a good platform for someone like an Andy Halliday who, and I don't know how the contract is, is structured. I'm sure it'll be incentivized fully in that you do this, we'll reward you for that. But he's, Hartman Lillian Football Club is, is the footballing equivalent of a, a rehab centre where we are right now. And we give players the opportunity to maximise their capabilities. And if Andy Halliday can maximise his capability, because we've seen it before with Rangers, we've got ourselves a right good player. I certainly agree. Another transfer which I went through this week, away from Hearts, but with a link to Hearts, is Mr. Callum Patterson, who yeah. moved to Sheffield Wednesday. Was actually under contract with Cardiff until 2022, but despite that, only a £500,000 fee, which I have to say surprised me greatly. And I suppose disappointing from a Hearts perspective because you know, they're due a 15% sell-on and £75,000 is not to be sniffed at in this day and age. But you know, for a proven championship player and one who played almost 30 games when they were in the top flight in the English Premier League and scored four goals in that division as well, it does feel very low given the money that gets mm-hmm. thrown about. And I know Cardiff has been mentioned by 
um, their manager. There's financial reasons they they needed the money, but I saw a lot of Cardiff fan reaction, and they were pretty unhappy about that as well because he's a bit of a fan favourite around there. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of went down there as a right back, but ended up playing up front. He got further and further forward as he as he yeah. went on, and and their, their fans liked him, but he wasn't playing every single week. And like, I, I find it intriguing that an undisclosed fee between the two clubs has then been disclosed in the media. Is that the right number? Who knows? I mean, possibly not. I mean, pro- that's what we're. I mean, that's... Exactly, we do know that Hearts are entitled to fifteen percent of that undisclosed fee, and regardless of any transfer it might be undisclosed publicly but you still have to put it down in the tax return so i did see someone know, say and again this whether this is right or not did it, i saw it mentioned that it's possibly going to rise to a fair bit more of that uh, more than that if they but there's, there's they go the up or yeah and there's the thing is it a, it depends on the wording of the deal is it a 15 percent cut of the actual transfer fee i mean there's a similarity between Aaron Hickey going to Bologna um, on an initial loan with an obligation to buy with regards to what how much Celtic get of the, the 30% is, is how much. Um, so, again, this is, this is speculation based on someone somewhere writing, saying or whatever that this is the, the fee, even though it came out as, as undisclosed. It is less than I, was, I would hope for, especially with Hearts on, on a 15%. But... For Cam Patterson, he's he's the type of player we've just been talking about. He's the yeah. Andy Halliday type player, not positionally, but give me the ball. I don't care if I make a mistake, because I'm I'm going to try and do better next time. We've we've been short of them. When uh, say what you think about Christoph Berra and say what you like, um, we missed his leadership. Um, is he is he what he once was? No, he'll admit that himself. But we were just too soft. We 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 were limp. We were flaccid <laughs> last season. Um, we were. We were. There was, there was no yeah, spine no, were. to that team. We were, we were spineless. And no one can come out and say, oh, I don't agree with that. Well, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just laughing at, at your, your, your words of choice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so so good, on, good on Callum Patterson get, getting moving swiftly on. Good on Patterson um, get, getting a move. Um, to, to Sheffield Wednesday and, and I'm sure he'll, he'll enjoy his football so it's, it's nice I always I always keep tabs on ex-Hearts players and, 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 and wish them well and that's why I was so I'm trying to do another segue here that's why I was so pleased to see Aaron Hickey make his debut for Bologna this week uh, yes are we going to speak about that? we can speak about that I want I, yeah. if it wasn't in the running order I, just, I want to mention it because for an 18-year-old kid, he was only playing because Mitchell Dykes, the normal yeah. left-back, was sent off the week before. Um, it's, there's like a kind of proud fan. Did you watch it? I didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch yeah, it. I watched so, yeah, the full, I watched the full game because I'm commentating on them in a couple of weeks, Bologna. I don't know if I'll get the chance to commentate on Aaron because Mitchell Dykes will be back from from suspension. And the likelihood is that, that he'll come back into the team. But he's, he's given Mihailovic some food for thought. It was funny watching it because... His teammates had obviously trained with him, but they didn't, they didn't really know that much about him. There's only so much you can do in training and showcase your ability. So at the start, he was eager. He was making these runs. They, they played a 4-2-3-1, and, and he was leaving his role as a left-back and, and joining in as a, a kind of left-winger. And that allowed, um, whether it was Soriano or Palacio or whoever, um, to, to push further in field and, and to link up with him. 
at the start, they they would. I'm not saying they wouldn't pass to him, but once they did and they saw what he was capable of, and after he beat a couple of players, he was heavily involved. He nearly got an assist or two. Um, there was a couple of times he was the best option and he wasn't picked out as well. So you can only impress your teammates by your actions. And for him to get a standing ovation when he when he went off, there was mm-hmm. two subs made at the same time. Um, but when his name was announced over the Tannoy, um, the, the, the fans in attendance, because Serie A right now has up to a 1,000 at each game, um, they, they loved it, as did the social media, um, the Bologna Twitter account in English, which is a very well-run account. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I must have someone, I don't know if it's got a Scott or someone involved, because they know their stuff there, and they were all over Aaron Hickey, because they're playing to a fan base, they're boosting their their Twitter followers yeah. by getting Hearts fans or whatever. It was just great. It was great to see him, and he did not look out of place whatsoever. And Mihailovic now has to decide when Mitchell Dykes comes back. And by, by the way, we were speaking about this previously, about Stefano Densville, who is a centre-back that played at left-back last season when Dykes was out injured. Hickey started ahead of him. Now, Hickey's not the tallest. Densville's about 6'2", the Dutchman. Densville provides you with height, added height at set pieces, which Hickey doesn't do. He went with the youngster, and he's prone to do that in his in his career, Mihailovic, as a coach. And I love that, um, that Hickey got his chance ahead of uh, a more experienced and a more threatening at set pieces player. Yeah, terrific to see. If Scotland can just find a way to play three left-backs, then I'm sure we'll oh, be God. terrific in the future. Um, in terms of younger players... Uh, and, and staying with transfer news, you know, a couple of Hearts youngsters went out, um, including Chris Hamilton, who went to Dumbarton on loan. He'd been heavily involved in pre-season up until now. But just tying that into some other news is that Christoph Berra's Achilles injury, the issue that he's dealing with, will apparently keep him out for now about six to eight weeks, has been reported. Oh, no, really? Yeah, so up to about two months. Now, if that transpires as being accurate, which you think it would roughly be the case. You know, that could cover up to nine fixtures. I was having a look. That could cover all the Betfred Cup group games, four championship games, and the semi-final with Hibs. And I'm just wondering, do we need more center, central defensive cover? Because we've got um, Craig Halkett and we've got Popescu to come in. You'd think with Suter out, they'll be the, the first choice to centre-backs. Do we need to bring any more in? Or is it a case that Michael Smith will step in there when need be? Peter Haring could be used there. He was signed originally as a central defender. Michael Smith's the obvious one, isn't he? Because who, he played... Um, who did he play at he right He played Brandon. And, and to be fair, Brandon. Brandon did well. And I think he should be okay in the championship. I, I, I wouldn't say I'm convinced about Jamie Brandon long term, but in the no, championship they're, 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 he should do a job. But... If we put Smith in the middle, that that's really only Brandon as our right back. Then we don't really have any other options at right back. Then yeah, but if it's only for the first few weeks of the season, um, I mean, right right now, if he if he's playing four at the back against Hibs, uh, again we're we're going on on Popescu and comments about him. Mm-hmm. Um, if if Christoph's unavailable, then do we do we do Popescu and Suter, um, or do we do with Smith at right back? I mean, again, I haven't watched any of Hibs this season. I've got no interest in, in in them. I'll probably watch a couple of games if they're on Sky prior to the semi-final, so I know what we're up against. Um, I, I, I mean, have they still got Martin Boyle playing on the right-hand side? Um, if they have, then I'd want 
Michael Smith. I'd go a four. I'd want Michael Smith at right back, and I'd go Popescu and and Suter. And what's our left back situation? Is it going to be Garuccio, or is it going to be Eddie White? I would suggest it's going to be Garuccio. Um, Robbie Nielsen. I think he did suggest that he might be looking for more left back cover. I don't know if we'll be convinced that Eddie White will um, will be around or will be fit enough. So I think he might look at another left back option. Uh, I'm just wondering now. I know we're saying it's only for a few weeks, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull a mark here. I'm gonna link this into something else and go off on a slight tangent. So the English Premier League have have confirmed that if the season ends early, there will be a threshold of how many games need to be played, which hasn't been decided yet. But it'll be based on it'll be decided on points per game, which is obviously what um, Scottish football did in the end, albeit it wasn't agreed beforehand. You surely think the Scottish football must be thinking, surely this time, must be thinking, what are what is our contingency here if we can't play out the season? So, do you, do you not think we need to be in a position where we're like, we need to smash this as early as possible? We can't be, yep. we can't have a slow start because if we, if we get 10, 11, 12 games in and COVID has a terrible second spike, you know, touch wood, hopefully that does not happen, but it's a possibility over the winter months we have to surely be thinking if this season does get cut short again and something does get put in place in terms of it's going to be points per game if you've played 10 matches or whatever i don't know if they'll decide that um that we need to make sure we are in the position we need to be in to finish and it's important that we don't have a sluggish start or you know, because we're weakened, we we end up having a couple of bad results, and then before you know, it snowballs, and we're we're actually struggling again. Ultimately, is it not the case that we're screwed if the season doesn't end? Because Dundee just get the vote to decide what happens, <laughs> and they'll vote themselves champions. I don't know how it's going to work. Possibly, but then we never know where their emails go, so um, we'll probably still be chasing their emails in 2022. Well, I'm thinking about 27 games. What's the threshold for that? Is it is it two thirds? Is it eighteen? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea. I don't even know if Scottish football are, are going to do that. I just assume they will be thinking that they're. Oh, we come, have on, to... come on, look. If you're assuming anything about the SPFL and those that run the game, assume, as they say over here, you're making an ass out of you and me. Come on, you you can't be. You can't suggest. Oh well, I'm sure they'll do the right thing. Why Why are we talking right now about what could potentially happen or not happen in the league when we've got all the experience over the last few months of making an absolute arse of it and how v- different people and different clubs have been dealt with um, differently? They should have the answer to every single question in play before the start of the Championship League One and League Two. So if I go to them and say, what happens if? Okay, um, twenty games, and that's it. We can't do it. Well, we've got this in place. It's in our, it's in our articles of association that if you go down after twenty games, then you played two thirds of the season. So we'll call it on a point. Everything should be done, but Scottish football is such a reactionary uh, object as far as the rules and regs and the structure and the governance is concerned. Do you honestly trust people? in charge of Scottish football, considering that today Ian Maxwell of the SFA has come out and said that you're not allowed to travel 
together to games, and on October the 17th, Elgin plays Stranraer. <laughs> now, I'm, 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 I'm going to phone around right now if I'm a Stranraer player. Saying, uh, <laughs> have you got any ideas, boys? Because that's going to cost them more in petrol money than they'll probably get for the game itself. Or they'll get for, for, for that week. But that's that's the suggestion. I mean, that's, just, that's want... just stupid, though, because players are in a bubble because they have to train and then play with each other. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. So so, so if you can't drive, you've got to be in a minibus. You can't take a taxi with, with more than just you in it. I mean, a taxi from Elgin to Stranraer. Come on now. I mean, I mean it, it makes no a, sense. A minibus, it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. So, so for you to come out and... and and assume that, or the, there should be a plan in place. Do not assume anything with these people. I mean, I can understand if they say, right, we can't have um, the whoever the the media guy can't be on the bus like he normally is because he's not being in the bubble with the players who train together and who will all be on the pitch together. I can understand that. Like for instance, um, little thing at Tynecastle, um, I couldn't be pitch side um, post game when players were going to be in and out of the tunnel because it's a, it's their kind of red zone and I'm not, I've not been in close contact so the players had to come up to the concourse to do their interviews with um, totally understand with, that. which makes sense because yeah. I've not been near them so I'm going to be in the stadium but you're going to keep me as far enough away from the players as possible because they all train together they, they're all in that bubble but I'm not so why would you have any needless risk with you know the guy the guy doing the commentary so I could get that they say look we can't have the usual taggers on who aren't a part of the playing staff or the coaching staff on the bus I get that but the players who are going to be you know in close contact for 90 minutes running about sliding touching each other who train all week it makes absolutely no sense you know if they're going to pass it to one another then it's not going to happen because they're on a minibus, is it? No. Anyway, I mean, we're, we're getting sidetracked. Yes. <laughs> we're getting sidetracked. So, Any excuse. Um, well, well let's, let's move on slightly. And what we will move on to is Hart's opening game of the season, which will be um, kicking off on Tuesday next week, which is the 6th of October at 7.45pm. The Betfred... Betfred Cup Group A opener between Heart of Midlothian and Inverness Cali Thistle, the other sides in the group, Cowdenbeath, East Fife and Wraith Rovers. Um, and I guess in terms of opponents um, outside the, the Premier League, uh, the Premiership, sorry, you would um, say Inverness Cali are going to be your toughest one. Um, last season when the campaign was cut short, they were second in the championship and a lot of links as well you know of course mr robertson in charge the james keating's in attack kevin mchatt is there todorov if you remember him didn't really get a chance at hearts yeah. and still some good players i mean i looked through their squad list you know miles story who did a decent job in the top flight got moved to aberdeen and um, aaron doran who's been there for years now and a really decent attacking midfielder so a good side and um I think they'll be. I think they'll be up for it, and I think it's a good early test for Hearts. I'm looking right now at the standings from last season's um, Scottish League Cup, and although we finished top of Group A, I don't believe we were seeded. No, because we only had 
nine points. We made we made a bit of an arse of things. Um, we we did we we did indeed. So it's the top eight uh, that that gets seeded, and Hearts yeah they they were unseeded. So um, it was Motherwell and Ross County, I believe. Motherwell were four out of four. And Ross County were four out of four, so so that's exactly what happens because Hibernian were so they were seeded as well. Um, it must be league placing. Uh, anyway, I think we have to be one of the best two top of the group teams to be um, to be seeded. Now, did we not end up with a not a bad draw? Yeah, um, we we drew with Dundee United at home. Um, we beat Cowden Beef. We got, we got Motherwell. We, we scraped. Yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, we got Motherwell. We scraped past Dennis Muir, but then we lost um, to East Fife on penalties, and we were quite fortunate, like you say, with with no disrespect to Motherwell, but the you know the Rangers and the Celtics, Aberdeens that we could have got, we we drew Motherwell. Um, and at the time, I think it was a decent draw, and we we obviously got through, albeit Motherwell actually went on to to have a very good season. Yeah, they, they did. So I think it's important that we we do well in in this competition. I think it's as you you were speaking earlier about Partick and how they've we we've got a head start. They've only played one game prior to playing Hearts. We've had a head start, uh, albeit we had that week where we couldn't train. There should be no excuses. We should be fitter. Um, we should be better. Which from last season that meant nothing because we should have been better than a lot of the teams that finished above us. But but we didn't for whatever reason. So. I think it's important, and and it's not all about getting into the the speed of things or getting up to the speed of things for the time that Dundee come around. Robbie mentioned that when he joined us, he said they want to be ready to go. That's why they're playing these games. They're training at the intensity they are. They've got the Partick game out of the way, and I'm sure they'll have bounce games this week um, up until the Cali game. They want to hit the ground running in this first game. Yeah. Um, rather than build up to hitting the ground running, because they know there are no excuses. It's a shortened season. Um, they want to be up to speed come day one. And if that's against Inverness, I think it's probably the best thing, because in our group, um, would you say that they are the, the strongest opponent? Oh, yeah. I mean, by far. And we have. And I, yeah, so I think it's a good thing we've got them first, and a good thing we've, we've got them at home. I'd be disappointed if we didn't beat them. Yeah, we beat them 3-0 uh, last year in a Scottish Cup semi-final and uh, 5-0 the year prior, which was earlier the same season, in the Betfred Cup, also at Tynecastle. So uh, looking forward to it, and um, looking forward to seeing some of the new guys playing competitively. Looking forward to seeing how, how Jamie Walker adjusts, and I guess it's looking forward to, to getting back to it. It's obviously not going to be the same, because there's still no fans, but it'll have that slight added edge that we didn't have in the Thistle game, that it will be competitive match and I think it's important I don't like um, I don't like the thought of treating the Betfred Cup as um, as not something that's important to Hearts generally and especially now we think with the games we have coming up with everything we've gone through I think it is key like you said to hit the ground running and I think Robbie knows that um, and I think I think we'll hopefully see strong Hearts team and, and a good performance and I'm, I'm looking forward to it but yeah, you can't underestimate Inverness. So they'll be a good side this season, and I think they'll be there or thereabouts in terms of promotion places or playoff places. Just be good to look forward to a game and look back on a game that actually means something. It's yeah. Been so long now. Do you want to make a prediction for it? Just for, just for the hell of it, since you've you've not asked that question for some time. The Hearts, Cali. Yeah, go on. Uh... 
2-0 or 3-1. Hearts by two goals. There you go. Yeah. You? I was going to say the same thing. 2-0. Um, I think it'll be... I think we'll start... I, I think it'll be similar to the Thistle game with more intensity in terms of... I think it will start at a really good tempo. Um, and I think we'll maybe have a really good first half again. We'll get a one-goal lead or maybe a two-goal lead in the first half. But the fact it's still early in the campaign, we'll see things kind of died in a little bit towards the end. I'm going to be totally wrong. It's going to be an awful first half and it's going to kick off after the hour mark and we'll have an, an incredible flurry of goals. But um, no, I, I would go for about 2-0 and I'm just hoping we can see more of that play because I liked seeing how Robbie Harris, you know, playing through the lines, um, using the wide men and it was just good to watch some attacking football uh, from Hearts and yeah, let's get things up and running with a good start to the season. Is it Tuesday? It is. Tuesday night, 7.45. There you go. Live coverage on Hearts TV, I hope? Uh, there will be, and also in the UK, it's on Premier Sports. So. Um, oh, okay. Good to know. So there you go. Excellent. Plenty of options. You don't have to listen to me and Jimmy Sanderson if you don't want to. Okay, before we go, um, I want to put something out there, which will be a homework question for this week, but we'll have a quick chat about it as well. And I mentioned this to Mark earlier on, um, was either yesterday or earlier today, all the days blend into one at the moment. Uh, this is episode 101, and uh, because of that, I was reminded of the old BBC series, uh, Room 101. And Nick Hancock, I believe, wasn't it? They had a few presenters, didn't they? Um, initially. I think maybe initially, yeah. I have to say, it wasn't something I watched very often, I was just aware of it. Um, but basically, if you weren't familiar, celebrities sat down with Nick Hancock or whoever the host might have been, and they discussed their, their pet hates, their gripes, and they had to persuade the host that these should be consigned to the oblivion of Room 101, which um, I believe is inspired by George Orwell's 1984, but we won't get sidetracked by that because that would be an awfully large tangent to start opening up that kind of worms. Um, but basically wanted to do our own version of that. So this is our Room 101. So your f hearts and football pet hates, things that you'd want to be consigned to the the oblivion of Room 101, or or, or maybe a more... A more uh, a term that tends to get thrown about more often these days. Just things you want to get in the bin. Things that you would get rid of. Or the little gripe. So it's not quite the beef that we had before when Robert Borthwick was, was on. These are just the little things that just just irritate you. And you would just get rid of. Um, so I'm going to give you two, Mark, of mine quickly. Okay. And we'll throw it out, obviously, for people to give us some contributions that we can go through next week. So uh, more general Scottish football kind of media, whole marketing side of it. One of my main gripes is why we have never been able to properly market our leagues, the divisions, what they're called, and it leads to everyone still saying the SPL, whether that's outside of Scotland or fans, and I don't blame the fans for this. I blame the fact that we rushed through this crappy marketing, we just copied the names of what the English leagues were called, Premiership, Championship, League 1, League 2, and it's never been enforced that much. And what happens is the people in the media end up calling it the wrong name. And that it's just one of these little gripes I had. And I think I almost said earlier, I think I almost said Premier League early and quickly corrected myself to Premiership. But it's just one of those things. It's like it just undermines our product even more, I think. And it's all down to how it was put in place. And 
just leads to it just irritates me it's the premiership it's the championship it's league one it's league two the top flight isn't the spfl the spfl is the entire governing body and the spl doesn't exist so yeah come on guys sort it out it's a crap hurrah for pedantry indeed um the other thing is more of a, an in-game thing, and this is regardless of whether we be commentating or, or watching. Fans calling for the ball to be put out when someone is down and it's not a head knock. Booing the players for not hitting the ball out of play. <laughs> You've got to put out, come on, and players getting involved as well and getting annoyed when someone doesn't. If it's not a head knock and the referee decides the game is to carry on, you don't have to knock the ball out. Keep playing. Keep playing. Come on. And it annoys me even more when the team's in a good position and they just bow to the pressure and knock it out. No. Keep playing. There's no reason to. <sighs> anyway, there we go. So, what do you think? Would you, would you, would you, would those two things make it to the, to the... There's a lot of things. I'd need more than half an hour for a room 101. Well, Most just mine... throw two out there just now then and we can, we can obviously explore yeah. more next week. Most of mine are to do with the laws of the game. That's fine as well. Screwing up. Yeah, <laughs> just well, a, a couple of things that are more generic. Rather than getting involved in the the assistant who's going to call them linesmen, there you go. There's your your branding. <laughs> We've called them assistant referees now within the Premier League. They're linesmen in the Premier League. They're assistant referees in the Premiership. Um, linesmen, assistant referees, call them what you like. Um, being told that if you think there's a chance that he might be onside, keep the flag down. Fine, love that except five, six yards. They keep the flag down. So the goalkeeper's like, he's definitely offside, but I kind of need to make an, an effort for this. If it's clear, if it's obvious and clear, stick your flag up. That that, that was one that just came to me. The, the, the couple of things, one, and it annoys me how there's a, and these, these kind of link together. There's a correlation between the two of these. Okay. A foul in the first minute that is meritorious of a red card. Should be a red card. Yeah. It's the same as a foul in the last minute. It's the same as a foul in the 60th minute. They do that with yellow card challenges all the time. And they say, oh, it's early in the game, we'll let you off. It's like, well, how is that that fair on the guy who maybe does one 15 minutes later and gets a yellow and ends up being sent off, but he just happened to do it at the wrong time? Let let me put this into into context as well. The, The other thing is, a free kick inside the box should be the same as a free kick outside the box. If you're going to give it outside the box, it shouldn't have to be a different element of severity yeah. to be given as a penalty. A foul is a foul. Whatever it's committed on the on the pitch, if it's inside the box or on the line, which constitutes inside the box, it's yeah. a penalty, whether it happens in the first minute, last minute, or after an hour. So the context of, of the challenge, the early challenge, Peter Wall, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name, not so much Yeah, shame, do it. Go name. on, yeah. Peter Walton, we had a meeting with uh, with Peter, <clears throat> um, ESPN FC guys, we're all called to a meeting, this is like three, four years ago, um, Peter Walton is the guy on BT Sport now, who was over here um, in charge of, of the uh, the MLS officials and, and refereeing over here, really nice guy Peter, and, and we'd, never, we'd never hide, he'd always try and give an opinion, and I don't particularly rate some of his opinions that he comes out with on BT Sport, I think we're we're lucky over here with a few of the guys that we have doing the NFL um, who come out and say, I think the referee got that wrong. There isn't that kind of um, brotherhood or sisterhood among 
um, the referees over here as, as there is back home because they, they can't, they'll be replaced. They can't be seen over here to be pally and something. Oh, I can understand why I gave it. If it's wrong and he's made an arse of it, come out and say that. And Peter at times is a bit dilly-dally. But he was the one in this meeting, as I get back of the tangent that I went on, <laughs> that, that said there was a grace period when he was in charge. Now, the game has changed a lot since he was a Premier League referee. Um, but he was, he was refereeing Fergie, Sir Alex, at Manchester United. It wasn't, it was within the last decade that he hung up his whistle. Mm-hmm. And he said there, there was a grace period of the first 10, 15 minutes whereby that type of challenge wouldn't get the same punishment of the same challenge that's committed later on in the game. I was like, why? He goes, well, that's just the way it was. I said, that doesn't make it right. He goes, no, but the players kind of knew that as long as they weren't malicious, because there's some red cards that are going to be red cards, whether they're in the first minute or whenever they are. It's just a bad challenge. You're not going to get off with it, a dreadful challenge because it's in the first minute. A dreadful challenge equals sending off. But he said there were the, the challenges below that that were borderline yellow or red, if they were committed in the early parts of a game, they would be yellows instead of reds. Whereas later on in the game, and then his argument was, well, maybe that player's put another challenge in or whatever. I was like, no, wait a minute here. What if that player hasn't? He said, well, he'd probably be sent off later in the game, but he wouldn't get there. I said, that's not right. And anyway, I got involved in an argument with him, but that was the way it was. That that would go into room 101 in that a challenge, which should be a red, is a red, regardless of the time it's committed, and a foul. And I know you say, oh, that's soft. And what is soft? It's a perception. It's totally subjective. You've, honestly, you've, we could do a full hour on this, and I'm glad we're not going to. I'm, I'm going to wrap it up. But a, a foul inside the box is a penalty, regardless of the severity of it. By the letter of the law, a foul is a foul. That's that. No, that that's one that annoys me, and it, it annoys me both ways when you get, you know, a goalkeeper kick out up towards the halfway line, two people challenge for the ball, free kick. Well, what's that for? Oh, there was a wee nudge, you know, maybe a little bit of sharp pulling. It's like, well, you wouldn't give that if it was in the box. So why would you give it on the halfway line? Just because it's easy. Thank you. It's either either both aren't a foul or both are a foul. I mean, come on. How many, and here's another one, based totally on that, how many times do you see if a referee screws up and he gives a corner when it should be a goal kick, there's a mysterious foul (laughs) that's then committed. Um, but the point is, you see the slightest little touch on a defender by a forward and a free, and where a free kick is given. If that's the other way around, and it's the defender on the other striker, opponent, whatever his, his position is, that's never given as a penalty. Why not? Why not? I don't care if we end up with 10 penalties a game, because they'd... They quickly learn. Do you not like remember? The the Premier, by the way, Laurie, it's like the players in the Premier League with a handball, and I know they're tweaking it now. Um, by the way, if your hands above your shoulder, it's always going to be given. That's in the that's in the letter of the law. However, they've, they've tweaked it after the outcry. This is the same outcry from managers of Champions League English teams and Europa League English teams under VAR last season that were playing with the same rules as everybody else. Same rules. Listen to me. The same laws as everybody else. Now it's just been in- introduced into the Premier League by by the Premier Leagues themselves. They're up in arms. This is this is a disgrace. Look, it's not ideal. I get that, but you played in a competition last year using the same laws. Come on now, don't pick and choose. It's a horrible law. I'm not making any excuses for it. The interpret just they keep changing it. It's IFAB. It's David Ellery. It's all these 
people behind a desk that think, oh, this would be a good idea. Oh, I'm not sure. We'll have to tweak this. Come on now. Let's get that sorted out. Room 101. Oh, my God. You've started something okay. here. Yeah, we, we will ask you to give us some, which we can go through next week. And you can tweet those to at Around the Funnel, or you can email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. I'm just going to quickly ask you something because I, I, I'm trying to remember if my memory um, is, is a bit fuzzy here, but and it's just because you just, when you're talking about how many penalties you get in a game, was it the World Cup in 2002 where they tried to really enforce shirt pulling? And you, they got this kind of spate of penalty kicks, um, and they tried to make it more harsh, and it kind of died away because it was just there was just too many of them getting given. And I, I don't know if that's. Do you remember this? It was about two thousand two. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they tr- their their kind of campaign was to clean up the game, mm-hmm. and it was to do with deliberate and intentional shirt pulling. So so yes, it was um, for the World Cup and. In 2002, did it make much of a difference? It's like anything. It kind of died away. I remember initially yeah. there was loads of penalties getting given. Well, that, that's the thing. And the other thing that annoys me while, while we're on this is... And this will be <laughs> and another thing. <laughs> oh, I know. It's what, that's what next week's going to be like now. There'll be little talk. By the way, Hearts played Inverness and here's the score. Meanwhile, Room 101. Um, football players that do not know the laws of the game. I mean, just keep on top of it. If they tweak a law... Keep on top of it, right? Your club should let you know. They should bring in yeah. a referee or, or, yeah. or whatever, right? So if the, here's one for you. Hearts are playing Inverness, Caledonian Thistle on Tuesday, okay? Hearts have got possession. The ball hits the referee. Inverness then pick up possession. What's the correct decision from the referee? I'd like to think commentators know the answer to this. Hearts have possession. Hearts have possession. A pass is intended for another Hearts player. It hits the referee in Caledonian Thistle pick up possession. What should the referee do? Drop ball. With what happening? Um, with the ball given back, isn't it? Yeah. It's not competed <laughs> for, is sound... it? Not, it's not competed I have to for say, I, I, was, I, I had an element of doubt. I knew it was a drop ball. And I was like, oh Christ, did they yeah, still that... give it back? That came in the 1st of June last year. If, the, if Hearts have possession Phew. and the pass is aimed at another Hearts player... It hits the referee in Caledonian Thistle pick up possession. Unlike previously, prior to the 1st of June last year, where play would continue, now play is stopped, the drop ball is given with possession straight back to Hearts. But how many players don't know that? Yeah, I mean, and that's pretty bad that I wasn't completely sure, I have to admit, and I've got caught out with a few little things like that. However, and that is bad, I should own them all as well, but from a playing point of view, that's your, you know, that should be, surely the clubs should be as you say, getting together at the start of the season and making sure any adjustments are notified. And maybe oh. they can invite me to that meeting as well. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's, that's a good point as well. And we could go, and we will go on, Mark. We will have next week to get more things off your chest. This is like beef part two, but with a slightly different twist. Oh, um, you've given me a week to come up with that. Oh, oh my dear. God. We you, want to keep it to you, oh. not too much more than an hour, okay? Let's, let's not, let's not mad. I'll start now, right? And you just record my ramblings next week. Um, just I'll just leave this recording for the next uh, seven days. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Um, so for next week, uh, get in touch with us and give give us your your gripes, your pet hates around football and more hearts related the better, but it can be more general too. 
that you'd want to um, throw into the bin, get into the bin, into the oblivion of room 101, tweet us at Around the Funnel, email podcast at scarvesaroundthefunnel.co.uk. We will be back next week to talk about that, to talk about the Inverness Caledonian Thistle match in the Betfred Cup. But until then, thanks for listening. Guess who just got back today? The wild eyed boys that had been away. Haven't changed, had much to say. But man, I still think them cats are crazy. They were asking if you were around, how you was, where you could be found. I told them you were living downtown, driving all the old men crazy. 